This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings here on this Thursday from Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm at the team hotel and on the road with the New Orleans Pelicans, who have uh, now won a game on this road trip after defeating the Utah Jazz last night in Salt Lake City, 104-94. And so, on to Phoenix, as they say. And we arrived here in Scottsdale, Arizona last night, late, late, late. And uh, the team will practice today. And then take on the Suns tomorrow night on national television. So it'll be a bit later tip tomorrow night. But uh, that leaves just two games remaining on this West Coast road trip. The Pelicans won last night for the first time when trailing at the start of the fourth quarter. They were 0-17, but uh, came back to win last night in a real gutty performance in a very tough place to play. So congratulations to Alvin Gentry and his team for that 10-point win. They outscored the Jazz in the fourth quarter last night. 31 to 15. We'll talk about that game here coming up in just a little bit. We have uh, Saints news to talk about today as uh, the Black and Gold begin their work week in earnest in preparation for Monday night's game against the Detroit Lions. And uh, we're treated today with a couple of great football guests. Uh, Most notably would be Deuce McAllister, who is uh, working as a fill-in analyst right now on the New Orleans Saints radio network, the former Saints running back. Uh, will join us on the Black and Blue Report today to talk about that assignment and, of course, what he's seeing with the Saints heading into Monday night's game with the Detroit Lions. And then later on here uh, today, we'll talk with Jason Cole from Bleacher Report. He covers the NFL. We've got a couple of topics to cover, including the St. Louis Rams and their situation. And we bring that up because the Rams will kick off the NFL weekend tonight at home. Uh, And some would say that that would possibly be their last uh, regular season home game in the city of St. Louis. Um, I think that's still quite up in the air, and I think that Jason Cole is kind of in the same boat, but he's pretty tuned in right now to, uh, to the St. Louis slash Los Angeles situation. And he'll also address uh, the effect of some of these late season injuries that are affecting some of the playoff teams uh, down with the three games to go. So lots to discuss here today on the Black and Blue Report. We'll begin, though, with Saints head coach Sean Payton, who uh, just earlier this morning held his first conference call with the media this week. And I haven't, I guess, regularly played you pieces of that, but today I certainly want to. Uh, Coach Payton uh, talks extensively about the uh, Saints defense and how it has come along since New Orleans changed uh, defensive coordinators. So with that being said, we'll start here uh, just a just a bit of the way into the uh, media conference call as John DeShazer from our own NewOrleansSaints.com started the defensive conversation with head coach Sean Payton. Sean, obviously you, you made the change at defensive coordinator for, for a reason. I mean, are you seeing the things that you hope to see in terms of communication, in terms of guys being line, aligned correctly and those kinds of things? Well, I thought last week, the challenge last week was the running game and, and then the receiving threats. Um, and so I, I felt like we had a, a real good plan going in. Uh, Delvin Bro was playing amazing football. You know, I, he was injured here a few weeks back, but if you really charted his production as a corner uh, in the last month, uh, he's been fantastic. I, I thought we were able to get off the field on third down, 
Uh, I do think the communication has been streamlined. Um, I said after the game, I, I felt like, man, you know, there there've been a notice. There's just been a noticeable amount of fewer misalignments or MEs, and and part of it is, you know, half the battle is getting the personnel on the field you want and and getting the defense communicated and and get aligned to it. You know, some things that you as easy as that sounds, there's a challenge to it. You know, this, you know, all of a sudden there's a, what personnel we think they're in 12, oh, they're in 11. And then you're in nickel and, and get the call communicated to the back end, the front end, all of that's going smoother. You feel like this is, I guess, maybe the most productive or, or maybe the most efficient three weeks. You know, uh, you, you top it out with uh, allowing Tampa Bay, I guess, a season low for this defense in yards. Well, I'm just, my, Past Tampa Bay, I can't even remember. <laughs> so I would uh, – I know it hadn't been good because we haven't won a lot of games in that stretch. But I would say this past week against Tampa, we did a lot of things well. Um, and against a team that, that has that balance that concerns you, the running game uh, with the ability uh, – with the, the two receivers and the tight end to get the ball down the field. And, and I thought we were able to keep the ball in front of us, um, you know, defend those over-the-top plays, if you will, and uh, and tackling, uh, I thought was was good. It's going to be at a premium Monday night. It's going to be at a premium Monday night. What, why is that in particular, Sean? Well, it's a team that is that plays a little bit more in space offensively. You know, out of a three wide set uh, with Calvin, Tate, Lance, the tight end. Um, Two or three of the running backs, all of them are explosive in the passing game, and so you're you're going from maybe one team that we just played that was a little bit more tight end, fullback, uh, condensed formations on first and second down to a team that is going to be spread out more, and so when that happens, um, you know, 11 to the ball, but just as importantly, the leverage and, and and the ability to play in space is going to be important. And Sean, obviously Sean, you guys you... Had, a, had a vision for, for Stephon Anthony. Has he pretty much fit exactly what you expected or maybe even exceeded it? He played pretty well this past game. Um, you know, he's got a lot on his plate as a signal caller. I said this during the season. With each game, you see improvement. Um, by no means is he a finished product, so there's a, a handful of things that – He's continuing to work on the communication of getting the getting the players lined up, recognizing the formation. The back's offset strong. He's offset weak. The tight end just shifted. Uh, how's that affect the front? Um, there are a lot of nuances that uh, that he's learning, and I think he's learning well. Sean, when you describe the uh, um, alignment improvements and, and things like that, is that almost solely communication, or has there been any change well, or playbook or? listen, there's been some changes uh, with regards to um, fronts and coverages that we want to play a little bit more frequently. And, and like I said, there would be any time that there's a change like that, there, there, there's going to be a, uh, a noticeable difference in, in, in certain things um, that we want to do. And I would say we've, we've gotten the practice work at it and the meeting time at it. Um, we've changed a little bit of the way we're installing it and um and and so i would say that 
you know, I, I think the players have, res have responded, and yet there's still a handful of things that we want to improve on. Uh, having Donnell Ellery back was significant for us, and, you know, he's someone that uh, is a run-and-hit player. He's smart, uh, and, and, and he brings something to the defense. Hey, Sean, this is Chris from Lower.com. When you talk about communication on defense, is that mainly through Stefan Anthony or are there other communications? Yeah, let me just give you um, to your question what would be the normal. Um, offensively, you send in the personnel you want to send in. You know, if you want to send in receivers or tight ends or uh, and you send it in with a play call or maybe a, a package of plays. Defensively, you can go ahead and send your personnel in and, and play it, which some teams do regardless of what you see. Um, you probably play a little bit more zone. But um, typically in our league, you, you, you'd see what the offense is, is substituting, you know, just as they're going on to the field, and then you make your call, nickel, base, um, dime. And, and D.A. hits that little walkie-talkie button on his headset, and he's got – until the 15-second mark to tell Steph, hey, we're going to run, you know, nickel jet, whatever, three sky. And he communicates that right away then to the to the group. Oftentimes the back end is, is detached. You know, on any given play, they're kind of maybe 15 yards downfield coming back, and so they might get that signaled. They being the safeties and or the corners might get that communicated via a signal. Um, because they're 20 yards away from Steph. One of the things he, as that signal caller, the first thing he has to say all the time, though, is, hey, base, nickel, you know, to make sure that the, the group stays on the field, gets off the field. Um, no different than when I send a play into Drew, I'll say, Drew, all right, let's go 21 personnel or let's go 11. And right away, Drew will say 11, 11, 11, and then it's on to the play call. But it puts everyone in the huddle – in the, in the right frame of mind in regards to what personnel we're going to be in. All right. Again, that's Coach Payton this morning. The uh, team is going to practice today. Unfortunately, according to the uh, NFL's official transaction wire, uh, two Saints placed on injured reserve this week. Uh, Damian Swan, unfortunately, the cornerback, and uh, running back Marcus Murphy, oh, both now on IR and done for the season. Uh, keep it with the NewOrleansSaints.com, of course, and your Saints mobile app later today for uh, any other injury list slash transaction news as announced by the Saints. And John DeShays will have a complete wrap-up of the day with the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap presented by Acme Oyster House. All that is yours this afternoon. All right, let's go back to the Pelicans' win last night in Salt Lake City. The uh, Pels were led by Ryan Anderson, who really was a – I just – he was such a big piece of the win last night, not just because he had a game-high 24 points, but – Look, when the team was struggling in the third quarter to hit a field goal, he kind of kept the team afloat a bit uh, with a great performance of the free-throw line. So Anderson last night went 13 of 13 at the free-throw line. Uh, so 13 of the 24 come you know, at the stripe. And, uh, and he played off the bench. We'll not forget that Anthony Davis had yet another double-double, 17 points and 13 rebounds. And Eric Gordon had 19 points last night. And uh, most, most of his scoring came early and got the Pelicans off to a great start as they won the first quarter and then had a lead at halftime uh, in a game against the Jazz team that whacked them pretty good back at the end of November. 
But it was Ryan Anderson, uh, uh, I guess, I think in the starring role last night. And we had a chance to visit with him after the game on the New Orleans Pelicans radio network. Our star of the game is Ryan Anderson with a game-high 24 points on 5 of 10 shooting. Only shot one three, made that, and was uh, pretty darn good at the free-throw line, 13 of 13. Nice win, my friend. Thank you, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, I'm on a uh, different kind of a microphone today. This is this is a little more fitting for you, the handheld lead singer of the band microphone. Are you okay oh, yeah. with that? Oh, yeah. You know I want to be the lead singer. Tonight you were, and uh, this is the first time, Ryan, that your team has won when trailing going to the fourth. I think it tells us a little something about your determination tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's how we need to we need to play. I mean, we, we say it over and over again, you know, uh, we just need to play with a certain force, a certain tempo, and uh, we wanted it. I mean, uh, you know, we eliminated the, the little turnovers, the little plays that uh, have hurt us in the past, the past few games. Uh, we just played strong. We, we made great defensive plays and played for each other down the stretch, and um, it was fun basketball. We played great tonight. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a great game, what great was effort. Your, what was your favorite part of your game tonight, the way you played the game? <laughs> Um, you know, tonight I really knew that I wanted to, to uh, get their bigs up in the air and uh, go into them. And I know that they're jumpers, they're athletic players. Um, so uh, I just tried to get to the line tonight. Um, and um, I got some calls tonight, which was nice. So it, it was a, uh, but overall, we just played great team basketball. We moved the ball, we found the right man. I mean, that's that's my favorite part about playing on this team we're so dynamic we're so good um when we're moving the ball we move the ball it's so noticeable it's so so different you know we're gonna be watching film watching good good film <laughs> to, uh, tomorrow which is nice so we just need to continue this and continue to play like this ryan hey it's uh, victor howell congratulations hey, Sean victor, was asking how me, are you victor i am doing great and it was All great right. watching you guys have that kind of fun there in the fourth quarter as you were joining us and getting on the headset sean was asking me what I thought changed between the third and the fourth. And I said the first thing that was consistent was as much as you struggled in the third quarter, your free throw shooting kept you all alive when Favors was having such a strong third quarter. What did you all talk about between the third and the fourth quarter that got you to come out and shift that momentum so dynamically from a struggling third quarter to a red-hot fourth quarter? Right. I mean, uh, there, there wasn't much to be said. We, we know what we need to do. That we know how we need to play. Um, and, and tonight we just, you could see it. You could see a difference. We wanted it. We played together. Um, that's the best basketball we, we play. I mean, we're really hard to guard. We're really hard to beat when we play that kind of basketball. We just need to do that more consistently. Um, so, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily like a, a you know, a bring, huddle, huddle up, let's, let's change something. It was a, you know, we all just kind of basically just took it upon ourselves to get stops and, and go on the other end and uh, make great plays for each other. Ryan, thanks a lot for the time tonight. Congratulations on the win, and we always enjoy watching you play. You got it. All right, so the Pelicans win for just the second time this season on the road. They're now 7-18, and 18, and as uh, tough as it is to listen to me say that uh, record, um, a turnaround, which we thought might come right about this time, uh, would put them right back in the thick of things. A game against uh, Phoenix, who was destroyed by Golden State last night on Friday night, and then a game on Sunday against the Denver Nuggets before coming home. So two very big games coming up for the Pelicans this week. And uh, we'll hear from Alvin Gentry later on tonight. I'll give you the details about that before we exit the podcast today. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Saints legend and now broadcaster, 
Deuce McAllister. New Orleans, get ready for WWE Monday Night Raw. Televised live worldwide from Smoothie King Center. Monday night, January 11th, featuring the return of Brock Lesnar. Plus, you'll see John Cena, Roman Reigns, Demon Kane, The Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, The Divas, and many more in action. Don't wait. Great seats are available now at the box office and Ticketmaster. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday, December 26th at 6 p.m. when the division rival Houston Rockets come to town. The first 12,000 fans receive a free Pelicans t-shirt, courtesy of Morris Park. Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 4.30 with live music by Five Finger Discount, inflatable games for the kids, and a whole bunch more. See an all-star battle with Anthony Davis taking on James Harden and Dwight Howard. Tickets are limited. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Still to come, Jason Cole from Bleacher Reports. As we continue here from Scottsdale, Arizona, we are pleased to connect with Deuce McAllister, Saints legend, Ole Miss legend, and now Saints broadcaster, filling in for Hokie Guy John alongside Jim Henderson on the New Orleans Saints radio network. Deuce, congratulations on the honor. And um, and from what I what I gather here, you knocked it out of the park this past Sunday. How'd you feel about that? I think you know. Uh, overall, I think it went well. I mean, there was some ebbs and flows to it that you know you just have to get used to. But for the most part, uh, I felt good about it. I mean, uh, I think it'll continue to get better. Um, it's a great group to work with. You know, from Hokey, um, just filling in for him. He was familiar with the ins and outs of it, so that's where I want to get comfortable enough to say that I can go in and just be natural, be normal, and just be able to call a good game for and and, and the fans understand and, and be appreciative. Yeah, the circumstances are they are what they are, and, and none of us like seeing Hokey go through what he's going through right now. Um, so what was that phone call like when, when, so when you were approached to, to take that role and carry the ball here for Hokey for a little bit? Very, very surprised. Um, I was extremely excited, but very surprised, and you know, for me, I just wanted to be able to make sure, one, I was comfortable with the team. You know, obviously working and working with Jim, he makes it easy. But, you know, just to be able to fulfill the role and um, be able to give a deliverance that the fans, one, could understand. Two, you know, it wasn't too much, quote, unquote, coach speak and um, give them the, the, the knowledge that I have and to be able to, well, hey, look, this is what they're doing. This is what I see, you know, and this is what they may be able to exploit. So, um I enjoyed it, though. I mean, it, w- it was a lot of fun. I remember doing your first broadcast with you. It was a Tulane Syracuse football game on Cox Sports Television. How would you say you're different from that broadcast to what you're doing now? I was very nervous in that situation, and I was nervous in this one as well. So um, just the growth, um, being able to work with a, a, a prompter, being able to work with the producers, and you know, just being comfortable with not only yourself but with Jim and being able to play off each other and uh, – 
like I said, you never want to be the analyst that gets a, too much technical in the X's and O's because a lot of fans, they may not follow it. Some will. But what you want it to be is just like, hey, look, we're watching the game. We're sitting at the house. Um, look at that formation. This is what I see when Drew goes to check. This is what you know I think he's doing or based off of down and distance. This is what they, they like to do. So to be able to give the fans that point of view, you know, that's what I try to quote unquote hopefully bring to it. Deuce, you've been you've been doing some broadcasting now for a couple of years. Are, are, has it been more of a dabble, or has this been building into something larger? That you know, obviously, when Hokey Gaijan uh, is recovered and well and strong again, <clears throat> you may be um, you may be interested in doing some more of this through other outlets. Uh, are you are you hooked enough on this now that you you want to become a full time broadcaster, or is this more of a uh, a way to stay with the game? hooked enough to hopefully be able to when when called upon to be able to do it i definitely enjoy it you know not only from a fan's perspective just from an analyst quote-unquote perspective uh to be able to pass on some of the knowledge that i was able to pick up from a sean payton from a mike mccarthy from a david cutcliffe you know some of the guys that i were that i was around and to be able to pass that knowledge on i think is important so if the right opportunity comes about, then I would definitely be interested. But just to be called upon to be able to help out the, the WWL crew, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited and happy to be be able to do so. Without a doubt. Uh, you're 1-0, by the way. Nice job last Sunday. You got us a win. Uh, <laughs> what did you like about the way the Saints played at Tampa? Well, I mean, the aggressive, uh, the aggressive nature of nature of it. You know, just being able to come out and 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 be aggressive defensively, to be able to come and get some early confidence with some three and outs. I think that set the tone for them really. And then the other part was offensively controlling the ball, having some balance, being able to say, "Hey, look, you know, we're going to run the ball. We we've had some success doing so. Let's uh, have good rhythm offensively. Being able to Drew, being able to find Colston, being able to find Snead and Cooks, working all those guys in." You know, when they're able to get great production on first and second now and not terrible, terrible situations in third and long, then they can be pretty special, and that's what they were able to do against Tampa. And uh, you're you're pleased that some of the work that they've been able to do on the practice field translated to Sundays, and, you know, the translation was a W. Deuce, growing pains really stink. I mean, they're not not any fun, uh, and especially when you're having growing pains after a successful run in the franchise's history. So obviously there have been painful moments this year, but but are we seeing now, are we seeing now a young group that that may be gaining invaluable experience that this might be the foundation of the the next wave of Saints success? Or am I being over overly dramatic with that? Well, I think you definitely had to grow in pains with them, you know, just some of the penalties, some of the mistakes that they've made early in the season, and you know you're probably still not happy with the amount of penalties that they're getting now, but I think. Um, you can live with it when it's particularly playing hard. You know, the ones that you can't 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 accept are the, the late hits, the personal foul type. I mean, because those guys know better than that type of stuff. But when you have some success and it carries over week to week, that's when you can accept the growing pains, you know. But you, you, you hate when you go on the roller coaster of, 
up and down, up and down, up and down, and that's kind of what the season has been. So you want to see them finish with a flurry as far as these last three games. And, you know, if they lose, it's because they were just not good enough. It wasn't because you had three turnovers and you had uh, 100-plus yards of penalties and, you know, you were aiding drives by getting in situation teams in third and longs. Then you bailed them out with a, a holding call. You know, you don't want that to be the reason that you lost. You want to be, hey, look, we're not good enough on a certain amount of plays. And, you know, we you can accept that as a coach, as a fan, but it's not accepting you guys weren't focused, you were missed the line, you had a, um, a dozen penalties. Those are things that, you know, coaches as well as fans aren't going to be happy with. Okay. You'll need all those things if you want to win out. And if you win out, it would be a 500 season. And Deuce, while there's no tree for 8-8 eight and eight in the NFL, what would 8-8 eight and eight mean for this franchise heading into the offseason? There's still work to be done. I mean, I think it's obviously not what you wanted as far as going into the season, but to start the season 0-4, to have a four-game losing streak, and then to be able to say, hey, look, uh, you had a four-game winning streak and you finished on a strong note by winning the last four, I think that they're, they're spurts. You're going to look at those eight losses and say, hey, look, this is where we have to get better. You know, you talk about the first four games, I think three of the four, um, it came down to the last drive. You know, either coming up with a stop or being able to score, either they just just were not good enough or didn't execute well enough. So if you flip those three games and say, look, you go two and one in that situation, now you're talking about your record is totally different. So I think they can find some some silver linings. Um, I think there's still probably three or four impact players away from being able to compete like they really want to. But, you know, first things first, figure out what's going to happen management-wise um, with that situation. Next thing, I think, um, getting an extension for Drew, getting that situation taken care of, and then figuring out how, with the dead money that you have in the salary cap, figuring out how you can bring in, you know, another three or four impact players to help that young roster to kind of get them over the hump where they can compete in the playoffs next year. Great stuff right there. A uh, quick thought about the Detroit Lions. I know we're just kind of getting started looking at Monday night's game, but what is a top of mind for you with regard to the Saints and Lions for Monday night? Calvin Johnson and that defensive front. <laughs> I mean, if you can't if you can't control that defensive front, um, their defensive end, I, 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 I'm going to butcher his name, Anusay, kid from BYU, is finally the lightest is, is, is coming on for him. He's been he's been a terror. You know, they've had some injuries in in, in the um, secondary, so. You may be able to find some some mismatches in, in, in that situation as far as matchups, but you have to control Calvin Johnson. You know, Lance Moore is coming back. Um, he's always been been um, successful as far as playing with the Saints, so you must know where he's at. Um, they're probably in, in the same situation, you know, probably a little disappointed of the season that they've had, but they've been able to have some success lately. Um, control Johnson. You know, make Stafford go to some places he doesn't want to go to as far as with his passes, rush him, don't let him get comfortable. I mean, he has a strong arm at times he'll throw it up. So there will be some opportunities for some interceptions. But um, it'll be a, a pretty exciting game for us, though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, I know there's one more thing you're kind of looking forward to, and I'm wondering uh, if you yourself and Archie Manning will be co-mayors of New Orleans when the Ole Miss Rebels roll in for the Sugar Bowl right after Christmas. Um, how excited are you about this? Really excited, you know, not only uh, as a player, but, you know, just as a fan and to see the jubilation from the fan base and excitement. Um, 
obviously the Sugar Bowl is always one of the elite bowls. It's not one that uh, is involved with the playoff system this year, but, I mean, you're talking about a, a team that hadn't been to the Sugar Bowl in 46 years. So to have the uh, university to be able to come, to have the, the, the team be rewarded with that bowl game, uh, it's really a high honor. And uh, just to be able to invite the fans and invite uh, – a lot of the university personnel and, and, and admin down to the city. Uh, it's going to be a really exciting time for us. Do you set a big chair out on the sidewalk and just welcome all? Or are you hosting anything big uh, with regard to Ole Miss being in the Sugar Bowl? Certainly there's got to be some kind of a Deuce McAllister event, correct? Yeah, we're doing some stuff, some things, and we have some other things in the works and the plan. So uh should be a lot of fun, I mean, just to be a part of it. And, you know, Allstate's been a great partner um, so far, not only for the Sugar Bowl, but for the SEC in general. So uh, just looking forward to it. I mean, it should be a lot of fun. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Hey, Merry Christmas, by the way. No problem. Merry Christmas. I surely appreciate it as well. And you have safe travels with, with those pills and continue to bring home uh, some W's for us. Yeah, we're going to try again, and then I'll see you on Monday night at the Superdome. That'll be fantastic. Deuce, real treat to have you today. Thanks again, and I'll see you Monday. No problem. Thank you. All right, Deuce McAllister with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Stay with us. Jason Cole from Bleacher Report. We'll talk more NFL here in just a moment. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Fall is here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new Immune Builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all-natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange Immune Builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, and we continue on this Thursday. We're pleased to bring in Jason Cole from Bleacher Report. I know a lot of you folks are using Bleacher Report right now. It is it is a fantastic tool for any fan of, uh, of any of the major sports, that's for sure. And Jason Cole joins us here as an expert on the National Football League, also a host on Sirius XM Radio, Sunday mornings 9 to 11. We're pleased to have him along. Jason, thanks for being with us on this Thursday. Jason, we're down to it here in the National Football League, and man, I can't help but find a headline that doesn't have something uh, regarding an injury involved with three games to go for some of these teams. It, it, 
it's dominating the headlines right now. And and maybe that's the way it always is this time of year, but maybe I'm just seeing it differently. What's your take on it? Well, I think that we all get hyper-sensitive to injuries, especially as the league gets hyper-sensitive to it. Uh, you know, obviously, Brian Hoyer with a concussion. That's in the news all the time. We're seeing the trailers for the concussion movie. You know, that's what we talk about. And the reality is that football is you know, it's a game of survival more than anything else at this point. In the, at this point, teams are not so loaded that they can't get by with you know, significant injuries. It's, that just doesn't happen anymore. So one or two injuries can make a huge difference. You look what the Patriots are going through right now. Now they got Gronkowski back, and they have Amendola back. But when they didn't have those guys for that one game, yeah, that was that was rough to watch them. And at the end of the game, even against Denver, when they were trying to win in overtime, they just really couldn't function. Yeah, and they're hoping to get Edelman back. But even in the meantime, they've lost guys you know, like LeGarrette Blunt, Damon Easley, or Dominic Easley. Now, these are these are some pretty significant losses, and they start to add up. Uh, and, and, and you wonder if they're going to be able to survive this playoffs at this point. Yeah, and that's, the I guess, the question that I have with regard to the, the teams at the top or the, the teams that, you know, have the most to gain by you know, somebody coming back or – uh, being best uh, equipped to handle the war of attrition. Um, is there a team that, that may be devastated more than any other uh, at this point, Jason, when you talk about who comes in, next man up, all the cliche stuff that we hear? Well, if you're talking about among the, the playoff contenders? Yeah, uh, I'm talking about the Denvers and the Seattles and the Patriots, all, all significant injuries, and, and who, who, who will handle it best? I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that, Seattle's handled it best because even though they lost Jimmy Graham, they're you know, a big acquisition from that trade with the Saints in the offseason. They kind of rolled through it and made some adjustments. And Russell Wilson's actually playing the best football probably of his career here over the last four games, put himself in the MVP discussion, all those kinds of things. That's that's very significant. I think that Denver, because of the, their defense and the way that they play offense, may be able to handle the injury to Peyton Manning. And, and coupled with the fact that Peyton just wasn't playing well. I mean, let's face facts. As great a player as he is, we're going to talk about one of the top five, top six quarterbacks of all time. And he just, you know, this, this has not been a good year for him. So I think that they can you know, survive that one because they're built on defense. The thing that saved them throughout the season has been the defense. And while it's not as good as what Seattle put out there a couple of years ago, it's pretty close. Uh, we've already seen Carolina survive some pretty significant injuries at wide receiver uh, this season and, and at some other places. Now they're going to lose Charles Tillman. I wonder how that's going to affect them. Um, but, you know, Andy Dalton, I just don't. Yeah, I like A.J. McCarron, but I don't think I like him in this situation. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. And the AFC was rife to be had. Uh, you know, especially if you look at the depth of the quarterback position, you just didn't see a lot of guys who scared you outside of Brady and maybe Roethlisberger. And this was a year that Cincinnati, I think, had a chance to really sneak through and maybe get to a Super Bowl, even win a title because of their great depth of talent. Losing Dalton, you know, and, and what's the shame is that they went through the same thing last year when they lost Eifert and Marvin Jones and some of those, and some of those other guys and also had A.J. Green playing through a series of injuries. So, it's, you know, it's just been unlucky for the Bengals in this, in this situation. There's no doubt about that. 
Uh, Jason Cole with us here from Bleacher Report. Hey, Jason, um, should Carolina Panther fans be worried in any way? Have you seen enough of them to be able to say that they're good to go, primed to be the, the uh, leader in the clubhouse as we head for the postseason? Or is there something about them that should cause their fans some concern? Well, I don't think that they're, you know, they're 13 and 0 and they're they're a great team, but I don't think that you look at them and say they just run away with this thing in the playoffs. I mean, it's not just a laydown. They're not playing a Royal Flush or anything like that. Um, you know, they play really good situational football. Their defense is a great foundation, especially going into the playoffs with what they do. So they're going to be able to suppress scores. And Cam Newton plays really great situational football. He's not a pure passer in the classic Drew, Drew Brees way. But when you're facing a third and eighth situation or you know worse, some kind of critical situation like that, he's as good a quarterback right now as there is. To me, I've, I've made the comparison. He's a lot like what I saw when I when I watched John Elway play in the, back in the 1980s and early 1990s with Denver, where you know they played a running game and a good solid, you know, they had a good running game, a good solid defense. They played low-scoring games, and then in the you know, fourth quarter, we were like, "Okay, John, make a play here." I think it's similar. Not, you know, it's not perfect, you know, uh, copy, but it's pretty similar with Cam Newton this year. I'll tell you what, that, you're the first, you're the first that's made that that comparison, and I like it a lot. Boy, it, it does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, the, the both guys physically strong, uh, kind of almost cavalier at times. When did that? When did you? When did that hit you, Jason? That maybe Cam is a John Elway type guy. Well, I was kind of thinking about it in the last in the last couple of years, but it's really become that way this year as he's gotten more efficient in his play and been better in playing situational football because that's what Elway was really good at. He was a really smart quarterback, mm-hmm. knew how to get himself out of you know a certain age, and then would use his legs at critical times and had the big arm. I mean, those guys are just. Yeah, I mean, obviously Cam is bigger. He's you know, probably 30 pounds heavier. But a lot of that has to do with the time in which they played. And, you know, Cam's probably a couple inches taller. But both guys use their legs very effectively. And, you know, I went to college with John, so I saw it way back you know, in college. And both have big arms. John had a bigger arm, probably. Cam has better speed. Um, and they're both, you know, given – the size of the players around them, and given that players have gotten bigger over the last 30 years, they're about the same size proportionally with the guys that they're playing with, which is they're big, strong guys. So I just, I've always looked at them and said, you know, there's, there's similarities there, and now I'm seeing the similarities play out on the field, especially you know, when people talk about Cam and his numbers not being you know, your typical fantasy football stats and all this. If you go back and look at John Elway's stats, especially from his first 10 years in the league, no, there's, his stats were not good, um, but they won. And that was the important thing because he, again, played really good situational football. No, I, I think it's fantastic. I'm glad that you brought that up today. Uh, Jason Cole with us here from Bleacher Report. Hey, Jason, before we wrap up today, the St. Louis Rams are hosting Thursday Night Football, and I think that many are asking whether or not this will be the last NFL game in the city of St. Louis. Uh, where where do you where are you seeing things? What are your sources telling you about the future of the Rams in St. Louis, or better yet, maybe what's the NFL in Los Angeles look like here shortly? Well, I think that one of the things you can say 
is what happened on Tuesday and what's probably going to happen on Friday. What happened on Tuesday is that both, um, you know, both the city of St. Louis and the NFL, you know, pushed another hundred million dollars on each side onto the table. This is a very strong indication to me that the NFL and the NFL committee, you know, the committee on Los Angeles, which is, you know, run by Bob McNair and, and Jerry Richardson and Bob Kraft is on the committee, and you know, there are six owners on the committee. I think they very much want to see St. Louis come up with a proposal that will work, um, that they can sit there and say to Stan Kroenke, the Rams, look, this is a lot of money, this is a good deal, you should take this cash and try and keep the Rams there, because I think they would like to settle the California situation with the Raiders and with the Chargers and get those teams relocated and solve a bigger stadium issue that they know they can't solve in California. They're never going to get two stadiums, let alone even one, maybe. Um, so I think there's a good chance the Rams will stay in St. Louis. Now the question becomes is, will Stan Kroenke actually take that deal, or will he stay there for another year on a year-to-year lease that he has with the Edward Jones film? And we're going to see that one play out with Kroenke in January, and whether he's going to maybe sue the league you know, over over antitrust uh, if this one's going to get ugly, or whether he's going to accept the deal and you know play nice with his business partners. That's that's the part of this whole thing that I'm really fascinated to see. But I, I don't know. I can't say that this is going to be the final game that the Rams ever play in St. Louis. I think there's still a chance that they could stay there. Very interesting. Very interesting. We'll be watching that game tonight for sure. And we'll be watching for you, Jason Cole. Keep up the good work at Bleacher Report, please. And um, I will make sure that I'm with you on a Sunday morning or two, uh, catching you uh, somewhere, on, as you can do on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Uh, Sirius XM 83, 9 to 11. Catch me then. Got it. Got it, Jason. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Happy holidays to you. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an Auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Chicks dig the long ball. Gordon, right of the key, crossover dribble to the top of the key, shoots off the glass and in. He was fouled, and it's a possible three point play. Now, back to the Black and Blue Report. Hey, final segment here on the Black and Blue Report. Really have enjoyed this Thursday with you. Thanks again to Jason Cole from Bleacher Report and to Deuce McAllister as well. What a treat to have him today. Wishing him all the best uh, as he continues to work with Jim Henderson on the uh, Saints Radio Network uh, starting again on Monday night against the Detroit Lions. Uh, thoughts and prayers continue for Hokey Gaijan, of course, uh, as he is resting now, as I understand it, 
after his latest round of treatments and uh, hokey tough in full effect uh, as we uh, head uh, into the uh, Christmas holiday next week. Daniel Sallerson uh, in Studio B back in New Orleans. You seem like you're a long way away, Daniel. We've been gone a while now. It's tough. Studio B is a little lonely right now, Sean. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't can't uh, bring you anything. I, I thought about getting you a souvenir from Salt Lake City, but I figured a big bag of snow would probably be melted by the time I got to see you. So. Yeah, it would up here, but it's okay. I appreciate the thought. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ryan Anderson last night, uh, as you heard on the podcast this morning, uh, brought Star Wars up again. Um, tonight's the night here in Scottsdale oh boy. for the... Uh, the Pelicans' viewing of Star Wars, along with probably thousands of other people. I, I would imagine that the theater we're going to is going to be an absolute zoo tonight. I think, Daniel, I think we get lucky here because the theater across the street is like in the midst of their grand opening still, oh. and they're showing Star Wars The Force Awakens on every screen, seemingly every hour uh, tonight and going into tomorrow. So um, my aversion to being in the midst of a big crowd, especially like, you know, movie premiere type crowd. I'm not real thrilled about that, but I think I think Ryan Anderson is going to do a little man on the street uh, video outside the theater before we go into view at, at 7:35 local time here. Um, based upon the fact, Daniel, that he brought it up last night during a star of the game interview, mm-hmm. and now is willing to do this, I think it's I think it's fully confirmed now how much of a Star Wars junkie Ryan Anderson is. I was about to say I don't, I don't think there's anyone more excited. For the Star Wars premiere than Ryan Anderson, anyone in the world, I think Ryan is. I would rival him, I think, in a way. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure that I have the same youthful enthusiasm that he does. Now, I will confess that during this long road trip, uh, I have binge watched all six uh, Star Wars movies prior to the one coming out tonight. Good for you. Yes. So, a full-on review. I, you know, I, I remember Daniel. Well, I remember not only going to see Star Wars in the theaters in the late '70s. But I remember when we got a hold of Star Wars on not only VHS, but then it was on on cable for a while. And and, and as crazy as this sounds, and I'm not exaggerating, my friends and I decided to count how many times we watched Star Wars. And it was well over 100 as a kid. So, yeah, this is, for my generation, this is kind of a big deal. And it's interesting to watch a whole new generation of folks who weren't even born when Star Wars came out, kind of go nuts too. Are you going to partake uh, in any Star Wars premieres? I don't know, because I have to admit something right here. I've never seen any of the Star Wars. So I think uh, people might Sorry, start throwing tomatoes at me right now here in Studio B. Is this thing on? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> one, two, one, two, check, check. You've never seen a Star Wars movie? No, aren't I just a terrible person? <laughs> I, I don't know how you survive in American pop culture without seeing... At least one. You just every time it comes up, just nod your head and be like, "Yeah, definitely Star Wars, great." Yeah, I, I've just none of that's really interested me, so I just never have seen it. And I know everyone's talking about it. And I just I don't know. I might have to start watching some of them, maybe, so I can go see it. I'm not gonna partake in any premieres, but um, yeah. maybe it's time this to is, start and join uh, join the rest of the world here, catch up with everyone. This is a shocking development, if you ask me. I know. I hope I didn't ruin the segment just by... Uh... <laughs> no, you didn't. Actually, it brings a certain spice. It's something that certainly no other podcast will have because I can't imagine that anybody else hasn't seen Star Wars. I know. I know. Okay. It's, it's an embarrassing... You know, I at least I felt comfortable to um, share that with everyone because, you know, it's tough, and I think now I'm going to get a lot of flack for it. 
on Twitter and everywhere else. So I feel better just admitting it now. But no, I will not well, be partaking I, in the Star Wars premiere. Let me make you feel a little bit better. Okay. So Alvin Gentry, yesterday in the locker room before the game, I go in and meet with him. We conduct our pregame interview. We go over a few things. And he was telling me that, you know, not really a Star Wars guy. No big deal. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not really looking. He said, you know, because we're coming here where his family lives in Scottsdale. And he said, you know, I'm I'm taking the boys to see Star Wars tomorrow night. And he's like, he's like going to like a midnight premiere tonight. Thankfully, I'm going like at 735. (laughs) That's good. I told him, so he was, first of all, he was mad at me because I had tickets to a 735 show and he had to wait till midnight. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, you know, this is for the boys. I'm not really into it. The whole nine yards. And, and, you know, okay, all right. You know, coach is, he's a bit older than me and he's busy. Okay. All right. Fine. But last night I got on the plane and I wanted to talk to him about something. He said, tell you what, let's talk tomorrow because my staff here just got Star Wars. I think it was Return of the Jedi onto his laptop and he was going to try and watch Return of the Jedi from Salt Lake City to Phoenix because he was concerned that his his boys would think it was crazy that he he wouldn't know anything that was going on. And so he wanted to catch up or at least have some foundation laid before he went to see The Force Awakens tonight. So Smart man. You're not alone. Oh, I I appreciate it. I'm just glad Ryan Anderson is not here to listen to this because I think he would uh, bounce through the microphone and hit me for not having to watch any of the Star Wars. He may inflict pain. You're all right. So just keep that between you um, and me in this podcast, if you don't mind. Fair enough. Fair enough. I got to run. Uh, but real quick, speaking of Coach Gentry, don't forget tonight, Alvin Gentry show on the flagship station of the New Orleans Pelicans Radio Network. That's 99.5 WRNO FM, 7 p.m. Central tonight uh, for Coach Gentry's uh, show. And it's 30 minutes of Pelicans basketball. I enjoy the visit. I think that you'll enjoy listening. And so um, we'll see you there on the radio tonight. Otherwise, Daniel, yes, may the force be with you. Oh, same to you, Sean. Enjoy the Star Wars tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to maybe a recap tomorrow on the Pelicans Radio Network. Excellent. There will be a recap of some kind. I feel maybe like even have... on the Black and Blue Report tomorrow morning. With a lot of with a national televised game, I feel like we'll have a lot of time in between breaks and during breaks and halftime, all that good stuff. Yes, indeed we will. Yes, indeed we will. I'm going to go have a great rest of my day. I hope you do, too. You, too, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, of course, to Deuce McAllister, Jason Cole from Bleacher Report, head coach Sean Payton, and Ryan Anderson as well. And uh, not just to Daniel. May the force be with all of you. And have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.